0: I met Johnny almost 30 years ago. It was, well, 90, uh, we've been married 26 years. I met Johnny at the first, first time I met Lynette, the same, the same, uh, conference. And, uh, man, it's, it's a great ride, man. I love, I love doing life. I love doing ministry with y'all. It's, it's such an honor. So Johnny is, Johnny and Gail are my friends and I asked that you would, um, Receive them as friends as well. They're your friends now. So love on them a little bit. If, if, if a man wants friends, he's got to show himself friendly is what the Bible says. So show yourself friendly because I know he will too. So if y'all would give a, give a cowboy church welcome to Johnny Rowlett. Good morning. Good morning. Thank y'all very much. Good morning. I'm like, I told him, I said, you made me cry and that's n- not great. I don't appreciate that at all. You know, I was thinking about Coy. He, uh, Coy was in some of, he was a dynamic dude, right? That's, that's the best word I could think of. And, and another word for him is he was crazy. I I think sometimes like certifiable, (laughs) like like, like he might've needed some help. I don't know because he was just that crazy. And, uh, one of the things I remember that I was just thinking of all the memories that we had together. I used to fly with him everywhere. And he had so many miles on his, on his, you know, air miles and all that, that he would fly first class and he would fly me first class. And one day we're flying from the cow palace in San Francisco to go to Phoenix, Arizona. We just did the. The rodeo cowboy church and we're heading to, to back to Phoenix and it was Super Bowl Sunday and I'm a huge you know, football freak and Coy Huffman was not. (laughs) And I'm sitting on in first class sitting there and I'm just kind of like, man, thinking about the game and thinking about getting back home and getting to watch the game and everything. I look over across the aisle, Jerry Rice. Was sitting in first class. I'm like, what's he like? He should have his own plane kind of deal, you know? And I'm just like, I, literally I just kind of went, huh? There's Jerry Rice. And so I'm, I'm losing it. Like I, I have so much honor for him. I'm just kind of like, you know, like, that's Jerry Rice. That's Jerry Rice right there. And Coy's, and I leaned over and he goes, what's wrong? And I said, that's Jerry Rice right there. No, I'm not joking. He goes, Jerry who? Look just like that. I'm like, oh, like I'm like Shit Cloy. Come on, man, get it together, brother. You know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in my twenties, but I'm like, I'm so, I'm kind of like, oh, you're embarrassing me. You know, and he goes, and I said, he, he goes, who's Jerry? Who's Jerry Rice? And I'm like, he's like the most famous receiver of all time for San Francisco. And I'm like, there's no, I, I can't talk to you right now. And about that time, he goes, He no, I'm not exaggerating. I promise you this is true. He leans up, he goes, hey, Jerry. <laughs> he said, you play football. <laughs> and he, and then Jerry starts kind of like laughing. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm Jerry Rice. You know, he didn't say that, but that's what he was laughing at. You know, and Coy goes, let me ask you a question. And I thought, oh, Lord, please. He goes, do y'all flash rodeo scores during your halftime? And the, I'm like, I just want to jump out the plane right now. And he goes, well, no, sir. And he goes, then why do we have to flash your scores during our rodeos? I just, and this created this beautiful bond between Jerry Rice and Coy Huffman. We get to the airport and there's a secret place that they're, they're going to take Jerry and they, Jerry and Coy have now switched seats and become best friends and I'm over here like this. You know, thought, you know, and, and they, they usher Jerry and Jerry says to a secret like, I don't know, place where we can walk and not get harassed by press or whatever. And they, they, he says, come with me Coy and bring that guy too. I end up carrying Coys and Jerry's bags behind them as they're budding up. I'm like, I was so, I'm like, this ain't right. It was hilarious. He just made friends with everybody. He just had a way and I miss him. And he was a, a great mentor to me. And I'm so thankful to have had the opportunity. I'm thankful to be in this place. I happen to love your pastors. Like adore them so grateful for them. Yeah. You are so blessed. And sometimes you can be around somebody so much that you, you get familiar with them and you forget how really good and grateful God is that he's put people like this into your life. And I just want you this week alone. I know that he said, you'll love me. Love on them this week. Love on them. Tell them how much, how grateful you are because. Because. (laughs) I was, man, God is good, come on. You know, I don't know. uh, (sighs) 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 Let me take a minute here. I grew up. I, I really appreciate koi, you know. And I, I didn't mean for this to be a whole service about koi, and it's, it's not. It's about Jesus, <laughs> you know. But koi really helped break some bondage off of me. I didn't realize it, but I, I was raised in some, some. I had a really good pastor. Went to a really good church, but I. I gathered some thoughts and some ideas and some understanding about God somewhere along in the path of my life. There were really bad ideas of God. One of those things for me is I just believed God was angry. I thought He was distant. I thought He was wrathful. And I thought what He really wanted me to do was either get it right... Or he just wanted me gone. (laughs) I really, I literally had a picture of Jesus holding back God. (laughs) See, to me, all of a sudden, I don't know what it is in our theology. We we thought, if you read the Old Testament without understanding, without understanding of what covenants the people were in, that they actually were the ones that asked for the law, that that was never the will of God. That it and understanding the difference of that covenant versus the new covenant that Jesus ushered in, then what you do is you get this picture of this just angry, wrathful God that's ready just to just to turn you into a pillar of salt, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden Jesus comes, and and, and it's like God got saved. <laughs> now he's this good, loving Papa. You know what I mean? Through Jesus. And Jesus says when He comes, Father, they've never known you. They've never even known you. And just think of, process that thought. He's talking about the Pharisees. Up to that point, the Pharisees had turned religion into a science almost. Like it was, it was, they had it down pat. So, if knowing God was following rules only, there's never been a people group that had Him figured out or knew Him better than the Pharisees. If, if, if knowing God was being religious, if knowing God was doing everything right, then they had it figured out and they knew Him perfectly. And Jesus comes and says... They've never even known you. What does he mean by that? (laughs) Because the word says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. He's always been a loving father. Always. But it took Jesus to take us by the hand and walk us and put our hand back in his hand. Come on. So... I was just kind of processing the I I think that where my my disconnect from from God, I literally saw that Jesus was that God was ready to just to pounce on me. You know what? I'm done with that kid. He did that again and this again and that again. I'm just ready to take that kid out. I was riding my bicycle on a sidewalk in front of yellow front. Y'all know with yellow fronts, you ever had that? We're we're I'd go to Yellowfront because you could buy my Wranglers and my. Back then we had Walkman boots. They weren't ropers. They were called Walkman boots, and George Strait made them expensive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you could buy Wranglers for fifteen dollars at Yellowfront and Walkman boots, and and uh, so I was going to Yellowfront to get my clothes, and I'm on my bicycle, and as I'm riding my bicycle, it says no bicycles or skateboards on the sidewalk, and I, being the rebel that I am, don't I look like a rebel? Being the rebel that I am I am, I'm like, forget that. I'll do what I want to (laughs) do. About that time a lady walked out the door and hit me with the door in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Turns out the reason they put that sign on the skateboard was on the sidewalk wasn't to be mean to me, it was because the doors open outside. And knocked me in the jaw and knocked me on my rear, and I'm laying on the ground. And the first thing I did is say, I'm sorry, God. Cause for some reason I thought he's the one to knock me off my bike. So things like that over and over and over. i I was, uh, visiting my grandma in Claude, Texas. And, uh, and I started, you know, I was, you know, 16, 17 years old and the pimple started going away, right? The braces came off. Before the braces, my dad said I looked like I was looking for water. My two teeth just sticking out like that. He said, boy, you can eat corn through a picket fence. He loves me. And I'm, and I'm, you know, and things, I'm starting to look pretty good at 16, 17 years old. I'm visiting my grandma, Kale. I mean, my grandma, Sue in Claude, Texas. And these two girls kind of hit on me and they, they asked me if I could take them out that night. I'm like, heck yeah, I can. And my dad was so shocked. I think he was, he was, he was kind of like, Hey, that's awesome. He said, so here. My dad was like a semi-pro drag racer, so he, he had like a real fancy truck that he pulled his race car with. He said, here, boy, take the truck. He said, now, the only thing I'm asking is don't go to Amarillo. Amarillo was 26 miles away. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I'm so excited, so geeked, right? Get to go pick up the two girls, put in the truck, and we're driving around. Problem is, Claude, Texas is the size of the truck, You, you go to the Dairy Queen and you hang a left. You go to the graveyard and turn left again. They got a Dairy Queen in a graveyard and that's it. About 15 minutes in, the girl's like, hey, let's go to Amarillo. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? So I'm driving to Amarillo and I got about 10 miles outside of town and I saw God. And he he said, I'm gonna get you boy. And I saw in my mind that the truck flips over, the whole rear end comes out, and the and the two girls were killed. That's what I saw in my mind. Because that's who I thought he was. So I turned the truck around. <laughs> I that was the shortest date ever, but and I dropped them two girls and they were mad to me. And I came in, I threw the keys on the counter and I'm like, mm-hmm. My dad's like, what's wrong? I said, God. <laughs> just had a bad picture of him. A mental picture of him. So what I started doing is I started trying to correct my behavior. And I tried to get him to love me by fixing who I am and, and just trying to be a better. There's nothing wrong with being a better person, but there's something It's it's an unending quest to try to get this loving God to love you. Trying to get God to love you that already does love you. Because you'll never measure up. You'll never equal it. You can't get it. It's free. It's amazing. It's grace. It's mercy. So here I am on this quest trying to correct my behavior and do everything and fix everything and... And I, what happened to me was that I just got frustrated over time and I got more and more distant from God. <laughs> and so what I started to do is I started to compartmentalize him. This is a hard, this is a hard example and I'm really, really just talking from my heart right now. Because I think we do this as a a people. What I do is, I know I'm not going to please him. I know I can't. I know I'm going to fail. I've already decided I'm going to fail. i am already decided I'm going to fall short. So what I'll do is, I'll just do whatever I can do to get his blessings and his favor and not have him kill me. And then I'll just go do what I want to do. Come on. So I go to church and I check that off. Hey God, I went to church today. Come on, right? So let me tell you a story that kind of what changed my life. What the final straw that finally got me to understand that I had a completely wrong understanding of God. It happened with a, with a horse. <laughs> You came to cowboy church today, you were like, when you are driving, like, I hope they tell a, 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 a horse story, right? <laughs> cowboy. Horse. So I'm raised up, I was born in Texas, raised in southern Arizona. I, I'm at like, I lived outside of Tombstone, Arizona. I am a cowboy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. But in my mind I was. <laughs> And so I had, I go to, I get to move to Great Falls, Montana and I buy me a 70 acre ranch and I'm buying horses and I, and I am a cowboy. And I, I got, I'm starting to think and I'm starting to believe I, I, I know everything there is to know about, about horses until you move to Montana. And they're all horse whispers up there. Do you know what I mean? They could be, Hey Johnny, look at that horse. You see the way it's looking at me? I'm like, no. You see it look in the eye? No. You see the way it's moving his foot? No. I don't get any of it. And so it was very humbling. And so here I am in Great Falls, and and I buy this horse. And I found out that this horse, I spent way too much money on. I spent all of my savings on this certain horse because she had a certain bloodline that was certain to bring me lots of money because she was going to be a champion horse. So I bring her home. Put her in my trailer, and I'm so excited. I'm so stoked because this horse was called, appointed, and anointed by God to make me money. And I get this horse home, and I'm so stoked. I'm bringing her, And I put her in the round pen. And I realized within five minutes of having her in the round pen, nobody told the horse that she was a champion. This became a very frustrating moment for me. Here, this horse says, "I got her in round pen." I'm like, "You're a champion." She's like, "I just want to go lay down and eat and sleep." You know what I mean? So she was very. We had a very rough relationship. So what she would do is she would put her head out of the of the round pen, right? And she would put her rear end to me. It was very intentional what she was trying to tell me. You know what I'm saying? And I would get so mad at her. And I spent weeks and weeks in the middle of the round pen and she just keeps showing me her rear end. And I remember I cried out to God. I was crying out to the horse. I got mad at the horse. And I said, don't you know who you are? <laughs> nope. Don't you know that you're something special? Don't you know that you have a calling on your life? Don't you know that you've got championship blood? Don't you know that, you're, that you've are that you got destiny and purpose in your life? There's something special about you. Nope. I'm just going to go around in circles showing my rear end. At one point, I got really frustrated. I yelled at her and said, don't you know what price was paid for you? It's cost me everything. Nope. <laughs> I cried out to God, God, I don't know what to do with this horse. She just keeps going around in circles and showing me her rear. She's special. She's got value. She's got a calling on her life. She's got championship blood. She's just going around in circles. I just as almost like like a megaphone in my head, I heard God just say, what did I do with you when you run around in circles and showing me your rear end? I didn't think that was all that funny. I remember like that's not the same thing. This is the horse. <laughs> Needless to say, there's this moment in that round pen where we had a come to Jesus moment. She faced up. Everything turned around. She started reacting and responding to me. And I'm, I started to think that, man, this horse, it's miraculous to turn around. I And I'm, I'm hoping you all are smart enough to get the connections. The first thing I started to see is that she changed her direction for me. I could get her to change her, her, her direction. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm like, look at that. I'm a cowboy. <laughs> then I got her to change her, her walk, her lead, right? Come on. Y'all know I got her to change her walk for me. I'm like, look at this, man. I start bringing over friends and I started what I would do is every time she would there, you know, the pressure release thing. And so I would put pressure on her and then I would release her from that. And that was reward. and Then I would give her reward out of my pocket, a treat a, a, at the at the end of training. I would give her something. And and we had this. I thought we had a really great relationship i I would bring over my friends and I would brag about what kind of horse trainer I am. Look at this, I whistle and that horse comes running. I got it all down pat me and my horse i I realized later that what I really had was I had a relationship with a horse that was uh shallow, shall we say? I had a horse relationship. I had a relationship with this horse where she was being fake. You know how I found that out? <laughs> At a parade. <laughs> Boy, that's where you want to find stuff out, isn't it? In front of thousands of people. Going down the middle. Somebody old cogity neighbor. Come, hey, man, do you want to go and be in the parade with us? I'm like, you know I do. Come on! I am a cowboy, and I grew up being a cowboy. And I watched all them cowboy movies. You know what? The Cisco Kid. You remember the Cisco Kid? And he always had silver down his pants. I'm like, I want silver on my pants. You know what I mean? I want to be a cowboy. So I went out and I bought silver for my pants. <laughs> come on silver for her I bought her a new saddle with silver on it I had lead a new lead new headstall with silver on it oh my word I'm just living hog heaven gonna go down the parade with my my straight up in the bit horse fully broke <laughs> so here we are we're walking down the parade and she's strutting you know when a horse is strutting I was strutting I am a cowboy. Look at my horse with all the silver on her and my pants. Everything's going great. About that time in my full arrogance, someone released the clowns. Stupid clowns. I hate clowns. If you're here and you're a clown, I'm sorry. Don't let me see it. All of a sudden, I'm walking down the middle of the road, and all these clowns start showing up. And then some of them are walking, and some are in those stupid little cars. And they got stupid little hats, and they got horns, and they're beeping, and honk, honk, and beep, beep, and honk, honk, and water coming out of the shirts, and they're just cr- complete chaos. And my horse is like, hey. <laughs> and you ever had a horse start freaking out on you, and you're like, you know, doing, oh, come on. She she started sidestepping. I'm like, oh. Come on, and I, here's what here's me. I was like, "Come on. Come on. You know me. Come on. You got to trust me. Everything's just listen to me, focus on me." And I look over at her ears. She ain't focused on me at all. She's focused on the stupid clouds. Just all the clouds and their chaos, going clouds everywhere. And I'm like, "Somebody get these clouds." And they're going in and out. I'm like, who's letting these clouds out, right? And my horse is like, hey, hey. And I'm like trying to talk to her. Focus on me. Listen to my voice. You know the voice of the master, don't you? You're not going to let this distraction of circumstance distract you, right? You know me. You trust me, right? Nope. (laughs) Wrong. The final straw was this clown comes running up and takes a bag. Oh, this is horrible. It's horrible. Takes a bag of candy and throws it on the street. And six billion kids run out of the street. And my horse said, that's all I can take. I can't take no more. And that horse reared up in the middle of the boulevard. And when she came down, she broke in two. and bucked me six million feet in the air. Or three, I can't remember. And when she did, I fell and I hit my back on the ground and knocked all the air out of me. I'm laying on the middle of the boulevard. And that horse took off running to the hills. It ran over like grandparents and parents and knocked over children and I think it, it leaped over an ambulance. I'm not sure. I mean it was, it was horrific and, and I'm laying there on the, and I'm realizing we're not tied as I thought we was. Things are not as good as I was hoping. I thought we were better than this. I thought you trusted me. I thought you knew me. And I started to hate this horse. And all of a sudden, I fully understood how God felt. And I said, you know, you think, you think that I would sit up and say, when I could kiss my breast, somebody get my horse. But I was so angry. I sat up and I said, somebody shoot that horse. All the money and time and effort and energy. You're going to buck me off. With the first cloud that shows up. I get that horse. <laughs> Somebody caught. I don't know how the horse got home. Because I didn't care. <laughs> got her in my trailer. Got her home. Didn't talk to her. me. And that horse didn't talk for a couple days at least. And what I did. Is I realized. That she was being fake with me. So what I did is I went and hired a real cowboy. <laughs> Cause I, I thought I knew every, I was wrong. And all of a sudden, the, the real cowboy starts working with this horse. And, and what she what he was doing was digging deep with this horse. And he said, "Here's here's the problem that you have, Johnny. Come on, you got to listen right here. What that horse was doing is she was seeking your hand. And not your heart. She wasn't submitted to you. She was getting, going after what you could give her. You know what I realized? It's like she, she wanted the treats. She wanted the, the release. You know what, you know what I really believe more than anything that she wanted? She was willing to come in the round pen and do the gymnastics, do the religion. Come on, y'all connecting the dots. She was willing to come do all that. But in the end, what she really wanted was me to leave her alone. So that she could just go back to doing what she wanted to do. Go back and live the life she wanted to live. She knew that she came in and did the little things I asked her to do. That I would give her some treats and... And the apples and you know the carrots and are do we do that? We're after his blessings and favor what we can get from him. How about this? A lot of times I find that we're after oh man. You know what I think is one of the most damaging things we ever did as a, as a, as a religion or as a Christianity is we made being a Christian about going to heaven. This is, I know it upsets y'all, but let me just say something. That's not why Jesus died. Jesus didn't just die so that you could just live here a few years, do good, and then someday get to go to heaven. Heaven is real. And if you were to die today, to be absent from your bodies, to be present with the Father, I'm not doing any damage to heaven, but that's not why he created me. He created me. He put his breath in my body. He created me with purpose and vision and destiny and calling and anointing to create, to have a mission. I'm here on the earth on purpose. God created me. How many of y'all believe there is a God? If you believe there's a God, do you believe he created you? If you believe there's a God and you believe he created you, how many of you believe he did it on purpose? If you believe there's a God and you believe he created you and you believe he did it on purpose, why? Just to do what you want to do? Just to, come on, live some meager existence and do good and come in the round pen and do all the little religious gymnastics And then someday actually get to go be with Him in heaven. Is that what this is about? Is that what this life is really about? Or is this about yielding myself to the call and the purpose and the reason that He put my feet on this ground? That I'm destined and purposed and anointed by God to be here. What I find is that if you are here... I was listening to a scientist and he said that the chromosomes in your body prove that there, there could be on this earth literally multi trillions of human beings on this earth. The fact that we've only seen about 50 billion people ever live on this earth shows that you are a walking miracle. That if you get to live on this earth and you get to watch a sunrise, and a sunset, and see the love of a baby, and a grandbaby, and hold your wife or your husband, you're taking place in the greatest miracle of all, that God chose you, pulled you out of the cosmos, pulled you out on intentionally and purpose, even in the race from your father to your mother, you won that race too. You were, you were literally born a winner. You were literally born a champion with a purpose and a calling. So why are you letting the clowns take it from you? Why are you letting clowns distract your life? Why are you getting caught up in all the earthly ridiculousness that only clowns could bring? Every, if you really understood how the enemy works, you've got a calling, a championship, a purpose, an intentional life to live in full surrender and submission to the Father on purpose, for a purpose. You're on a mission from God and He keeps sending in the clouds and you keep backing up and bucking them off. Trying to live this life where you're so busy trying to fix you and focus on you and trying to do right and trying to earn grace and earn heaven and earn his love. He so loved you that he dealt with that so quickly and so fast that the moment that you were born again, he redeemed you and he gave you as a free life, a free gift, heaven. He gave you blessings. He gave you favor. He gave you healing. He gave you all there is to give you immediately. Why? So that you could focus on how good He is and then sharing and getting on with your calling and your mission. And instead, we keep letting clowns come in our life. And we keep getting distracted by all the clowns and getting focused on me and selfishness and and looking at... What I did wrong today and what she did wrong today and what he did wrong today. And I don't like my boss. I don't like my job. I don't like my church. I don't like those people on that same row. I'm looking at you guys. No, I'm just <laughs> totally, I don't even know. That's yeah, not fair. Come on. we. Jesus says, reckon yourself. Paul said it like this. You're to reckon yourself dead. And you're alive in Christ. But getting focused on the clowns, turning your ears to what's wrong and turning your ears to all the clowns in your life is where you really realize that you're, you're not really tuned to him. You're not really dead to self. And you're kind of just living for yourself. Being selfish. Some of you in here are dealing with marital issues. Some of you in here are dealing with financial issues. Some of you dealing with hurt from past that people hurt you. If you could stop and see that those are tactics of the enemy, they're nothing but clowns to distract you from your purpose and your calling and your destiny the vision that he had for you when he put his breath in you sent you onto this earth he pulled you out of here and caused you to live here for a purpose for a reason for a mission and we're just letting clowns ruin it stupid clowns i want to i want to read this verse and i'm done I was the kind of kid that <clears throat> was so focused on me, I hated myself. And I hated because I just, all I was all I ever seemed to do was just keep on, I could never do right. And I just was always messing up. And I was so terrified of this God that I would literally write all my sins down on paper at night. And ask Him to forgive me. And I've just worked so hard not to forget one sin just in case I would die that night and go to hell. That's a clown. That's bad theology. And the, I could just hear the Father just comforting me. And saying, don't, don't look at that. Look at me. Turn your ears to me. Stop focusing on the clown. Hear my voice. Be at peace. Be at rest. Walk with me. Know me. I've got something bigger for you. We've got a, we got something to do together. I was watching um, the San Antonio rodeo. I'm done. I just want to read this scripture to you and just, I just want to tell this story. Don't, hey, I'm not a clown. It was the breakaway roping, last day, championship day, San Antonio Rodeo. This girl, she's the last roper. It's breakaway, which means as she's tied on. And as she hits the calf and the calf hits the end of the rope, it'll break the rope off, and that's when the time stops. And the time to beat was three seconds. And I'm like, this girl got no chance. I I would be defeated. Right? I'd be thinking, I'd be focused on the clowns right there. Come on, y'all don't even know. All of a sudden, what I notice is that what the horses are trained to do is they come out of the chute. And when she throws that rope, the horses will kind of sit down. It's like almost like a jump stop. Sit down and stop and make that rope pop quicker. That's trained. That's training. That's good. But this last horse, that calf came out of the chute and that girl threw her loop, caught that calf and as that horse was in the process of sitting down and stopping, he took his neck, his head and pushed against the rope. I'm like, you can't train that. And that girl got a 2.9 second. (laughs) I got tears in my eyes because somewhere along the line, That horse didn't see himself as just trying to get the master to love him. Somewhere along the line, the the horse walked into its identity and said, we're on the same team. We're teammates. What can I do? What can I do, Father? I'm going to stop focusing on what's wrong with me. I'm going to focus on what's right with you. What can I do to be a part of the team? in the middle of the air, the horse whipped its head against that rope and snapped that rope faster. I started tearing up. I'm like, Father, what can I do? I'm so distracted by clowns. I should be thinking of ideas of what I can do. But I'm lost by the clowns. This verse right here hit me. Titus chapter 3 verse 8. This is the faithful saying and these things I want to say to you, I want, these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. I'm going to stop for a second. What we have been taught our whole life and can end up being a clown is that we end up focusing on trying to be good works. And the reasoning is the whole thing. I'm doing good works so that I can get favor from him. So I can get what's in his hand, in his pocket. If I, if I can do good works, then he'll love me more. If I can do good works, then he'll give me more favor. If I can do good works, then he'll be, he'll bring peace to my life and, and hope to my life and rest to my, if I, if I can do this, then he'll do that. And that's a clown. That's clown theology. The real reason that you're to do good works is not be not to get Him to love you. It's to live in the gratefulness that He did love you so much that He sent His only Son to forgive you and heal you and give you His righteousness and give you an abundant life so that you can live for Him and be on His team. And the reasoning that we do good works changes to this. These are good and profitable to men. Come on, watch this. The reason that you do good works is that you're calling to reach the unreached and teach the untaught. You walk in who you are and your identity. You walk in your purpose and your calling. Not to get him to do something he's already done. But so that you can be profitable to your neighbors, to your employers, to your wives, to your children. Because that's your—that's the team that you're on. You are a walking representative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are His image. You are His anointing. You are His purpose. You are the reason. The whole reason you're here is because He chose you and sent you here to be a champion. Stop focusing and letting the clowns steal that away. Get back on the mission. Get back on the calling. And when them clowns come, and they do, you'll see a clown this, probably today. When you're driving, there'll be a clown cut you off. You're like, stupid clowns! And all of a sudden you want to bring out some sign language. (laughs) Because you're bucking him off and running for the hills. This is the way I want to end it right here. If you're here with every eye closed and every head bowed. And as you're listening to this message and you're thinking, man, I, I have allowed the clowns. To run rapid in my life. I have lost my focus. Paul says it like this, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And that Christ lives in me, He's living through me so that I could shine. You've been called by God to wake up. God, God woke you up this morning by His mercy. And there's only one thing that you've been called to do by God when He favored you by waking you up and giving you the mercy to wake you up. And that was to shine. To shine for Him. But we've allowed the clowns to steal our joy. We've allowed the clowns to steal our peace. We've allowed the clowns to steal our reasoning to steal our hope. And we're just walking around distracted by clowns. And as you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, every one of you are thinking about certain clowns that you've allowed to distract you in your life right now. There's literally thousands of potential clowns And what you realize is because you're so focused on the clowns, you lost your shine. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what, that's me. I haven't been shining lately because I've just been so caught up in the clowns. Just raise your hand right here. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I'm not having you come up. Just pray. Yes, hands all over the place. Hands. Hands. There's some of you that grew up with bad... Bad beliefs about God, and that has turned out to be bad theology, and that turned out to be its own kind of clown. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Some some people got church hurt, got wounded by churches and and people and pastors and other Christians, and and you, you didn't realize that was just another clown. If that's you, raise your hand. Yeah. Almost every hand is raised. We all have and will have clowns. But our ears need to be tuned and stay tuned to the Father and allow no circumstance to put us in a position where we buck him off and we run for the hills. And so every hand that was raised, raise both of them in a sign of worship as I pray for you. Father, we stand together this morning as believers. We came into your house and said that you're worthy. You're worthy of our presence here this morning. And Father, we together and individually are taking and purposely, intentionally taking our eyes off of the clowns. And we're putting our eyes back onto what's right with you. We're not focused on what's wrong with our lives, what's wrong with our circumstance, what's wrong with our money, what's wrong with our marriage, what's wrong with our kids, what's wrong with our job, what's wrong with traffic. Father, we're looking at what's right with you. We're staying focused on what's right with you and we die to self. Live through me. Father God, live through me. Use me. Lead me, guide me, mold me, shape me. Help me to, with the walk in the revelation that I'm on your team. That you're my Savior, you're my Lord. That I'm here for you, not for me. And I refuse and will no longer allow clowns to steal my peace, my joy. I will no longer allow clowns to distract me from my purpose and my calling the anointing that you've given me, the gifts that you've given me for you. I completely turn my whole entire focus from the clowns and I put my ears to you, Father, in your voice. I'm on your team. Lead me. Show me how I can be a part of what you're doing on this earth. I Submit. I surrender fully to you, Father. I will not allow clowns to distract me any longer, including my own self. I'm focused on you. Today's a new day. Today's a new beginning. You are my God. You are my Savior. You are my reason for living. You are my focus. You are my dreams. You are my hope. You are my vision. You're the one that gave me the breath. You're the one that gave me the gifts. As I leave here today, I say with my mouth, live through me. Teach me to shine. In the name above every other name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all.